0: Your name is Winston Churchill, and the date is March 7th, 1914. You're in a meeting of the Parliament in London. The room is filled with commotion as Prime Minister H. H. Asquith calls for the attention of the room. Members of His Majesty's Parliament, I call this session order. The Prime Minister goes on in a drag on the liberal policy he seeks to impose in the United Kingdom. You're about to fall asleep when a loud pop awakes you. You look around the room to MPs in shock. You look at where Asquith was standing. He's fallen on the ground and he's bleeding out. Welcome to Imagine If, the Alternate History Podcast. I'm your host, Brody Burton. Welcome back to Imagine If. Today's is the last episode of Season 1, which really means nothing. Today's episode centers around World War One. For our American li- listenership, this was a conflict full of tank warfare in which the U.S. mostly stayed out of. For our British and European li- listenership, you probably know much more than myself or 99% of all Americans about World War One. World War I began when Archduke Franz Ferdinand, Archduke of Austria-Hungary, was assassinated by a Bosnian national Gavrilo princeps, who had close ties to Yugoslavia. When Austria-Hungary declared war on Yugoslavia, Russia declared war on Austria-Hungary. This led to an explosion of what later became known as the European powder keg. And although nations outside of Europe, such as Canada and Japan, were involved in the early stages of the war and mainly stayed in Europe. The main sides were the Central Powers, led by the Germans, Austro Hungarians, and Ottomans, against the Allied Powers, led by France, the UK, Russia, and later the United States. The U.S. joined the war after Germany offered sending support to Mexico to retake California, Texas, and other. Former Mexican states, now in the United States. This is the generally accepted narrative. The war ended in 1918, and later in the Treaty of Versailles, the world was changed. However, that can be the topic of another episode entirely. In Britain, after Parliament is dissolved, and I am explaining this because 90-something percent of our listenership is American, Parliament is dissolved at the Majesty's request. Or upon the death of a Prime Minister, it stays dissolved for two weeks before elections are held, paralyzing the UK's government. This is this could be somewhat considered to the government shutdown in early twenty nineteen in the United States. However, this wouldn't stop the rest of the world from. Responding to this alternate assassination of a prime minister by an Irish national, supported by Germany. After the prime minister was assassinated, Britain was in a lock. France and Russia declared war on Germany, Austria, Hungary, and the Ottoman Empire. Italy, the U.S., and other nations chose neutrality. As the war began, expected supplies from the British government never made it to France. Germany rushed through France and the Low Countries, seizing Paris on march seventeenth. After the Prime Ministerial elections, David Lloyd George was elected. However, Britain was in a wreck, short on munitions and supplies. In the US, Woodrow Wilson tried to get the US into the war but was defeated in his attempt to do so. Furthermore, in 1916, Charles W. Fairbanks was elected in opposition to the war, and the U.S. stayed out of the conflict. The Germans blitzkrieged France and later launched an attack on London. The British began to collapse and fall into the hands of the Germans. Meanwhile, Austria-Hungary had captured Venice and Italy, which had now been forced into the war, before the state began to flip. To the side of the Central Powers. The Germans and Austrians launched invasions into Russia and Scandinavia before both surrendered. In 1917, the final nation, Portugal, surrendered. The leaders met in Vienna to discuss the new terms by which the world would be won. Ironically, almost a hundred years after the last major European war was ended, it also was ended in Vienna. Germany, under Hindenburg, would morph into the Kaiserreich the German Empire the core state of the the core state of the Weimar Republic became the Reichs or realms while the conquered non-German provinces became the Eropterreichs the Balkans were split between Italy and the Ottoman Empire France and Britain became Eropterreichs Austria-Hungary annexed part of Russia but but unified with the Kaiserreich in 1919 as the Greater Kaiserreich. This empire spanned Europe. Russia was forced to cede St. Petersburg in exchange for assistance in putting down revolts led by a man named Lenin. The Russians did this begrudgingly. Back in Germany, a purge of all workers named a threat, including the National Socialist German Workers' Party, were purged including a growing power in southern Germany, Adolf Hitler. Kaiser Wilhelm II was not going to fall into a coup. Meanwhile, back in America, the United States was having difficulties. The Republican Party had taken a hit when Britain and France fell, and the Democrats looked poised to win back the White House in 1920. James M. Cox and his running mate, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, won the election in a landslide, winning all but the Dakotas, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. Warren G. Harding and Calvin Coolidge got only 12% of the popular vote, and were in third place after Eugene V. Debs, a socialist, won 13% of the national vote, but no states. In the 1920s, however, a radical wave would sweep over over the world. In Germany, the Kaiserreich, Ottomans, and Italians had all adopted fascism. Russia had barely put down a communist revolution. The United States would soon fall victim to this wave. Cox, already a media, uh, mogul, nationalized the newspaper industry, only telling the stories he wanted told. <laughs> soon, the New York Globe, San Francisco Chronicle, and New York Journal were replaced by the American Daily News, distributed across the nation. Cox then nationalized the railroads. The Republicans in Congress were horrified by this. In the 1922 midterms, the Republicans gained control of the House and the Senate. This new power in the GOP led Cox to worry for his own. In April 1922, Cox mobilized the National Guard in Maryland and Virginia and used them to take control of the Capitol building, where Congress was dissolved. Cox declared the Constitution nullified, pronounced himself Supreme Leader of the United States. Rioting broke out, only to be put down by... Tear gas and chemical weapons, the world seemed to be doomed to fascism. The Ides of March, 1925. The North Pacific Ocean off the coast of Vladivostok. Your name is Calvin Coolidge. You were the vice presidential candidate in the 1920 election in the United States, but you've seen your country decline. Back in November, Supreme Leader Cox began mass executions of those deemed to be his enemies. Warren G. Harding, Theodore Roosevelt, Woodrow Wilson, and Eugene V. Debs had all been executed. You escaped because a friend of yours, a Russian, offered you a passage from San Francisco to Vladivostok, a Russian city along the Pacific coast. Tsar Nicholas II allowed for democratic elections to be held, and the Russian Republic was proving to be the final nation where fascist forces were held off. You take a train across Russia where you eventually meet with the Russian president, Georgi Lvov. Mr. Coolidge, a pleasure. President Lvov, a pleasure as well. I trust your stay in Russia has been a pleasant one. Yes, of course. Cooler than America? Yes, by far. I also can keep my head here, that's nice. Ha ha, sure it is. That unsavory Cox fellow, eh? He was corrupted with power. Would you like to take him out? President Love? That man tore up the constitution he swore to defend, imprisoned those he promised to keep free, and turned his country into a fascist state no better than the Kaiserreich. I wait every day to have my turn to strangle the unpatriotic, power-hungry traitor. Well, then, I have operatives in Washington ready to go now. However, his second-in-command, the Roosevelt fellow, is he on friend or foe. Franklin, he's ticked that Cox killed Teddy. So, friend, yes, I hope. The next year, James M. Cox, the man who styled himself as a Julius Caesar of America, was killed on the Ides of March. Franklin Delano Roosevelt took over power. However, the Germans had helped Cox in nationalizing the newspapers, railroads, and later the oil and coal mines. The Kaiserreich declared war on Russia and FDR's U.S. in 1929. Latin America quickly came to the defense of the now re-liberated United States and they recaptured Canada from fascist forces. China and Russia quickly stopped Japan from entering the war. The war shifted its focus to Europe. The Kaiserreich invaded Russia in April 1930 and captured Moscow. However, the British Isles revolted, and soon the Kaiser would have to turn around forces to defend France. Then, Americans landed troops in Bergen, which led them to capture Scandinavia's west coast. The Russians recaptured St. Petersburg and Moscow and blitzed across Eastern Europe and Finland. The Americans continued, recapturing Arendelle in 1931. Oslo fell soon after. At this point, the Russians had reached as far as Oslo and Warsaw, and the Ottomans had surrendered. An invasion of Denmark, known as Operation Overlord, was led by George Patton. The fact that his nickname was Old Blood and Guts should tell you that when Copenhagen, the Danish islands, and the Danish peninsula fell, Kaiser Wilhelm began to panic. Surrounded on three sides, he evacuated to his ally, Italy. However, Italy, the old flip-flop, flipped again and surrendered Kaiser Wilhelm in 1933. The Treaty of Rome of 1934 restored the independence of much of Europe. Britain, France, Poland, Norway, and Sweden were all restored. The Ottoman Empire was reduced to the Greco-Turkish region. And Russia gained control of the Ukraine, Belarus, the Baltics, and Finland. America saw FDR allow elections in 1936. Of course, FDR won the elections, but still, it was a recovery. The British monarchy had married into the Kaiser family, and Britain had become a republic without a monarch. President Louvre would become one of the most beloved people on planet Earth. The world owes him a great deal of gratitude today. He currently has a statue sitting in the U.S. Capitol.